Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And what, Neely? Friends don't let friends feed kibble. Uh-uh. No. Nada. Never. It's still happening, though. We haven't conquered the world yet. Oh, and did <laughs> you see, did you see where the World Economic Forum is saying that they're calling on people to to kill their pets we need to kill the pets why because because of the carbon footprint and emma thompson is saying we should kill them and eat them you people have lost your freaking minds i I, when are people gonna actually wake up to the fact that um carbon is like the basis of life forms um hello and co2 we're kind of at the lowest level of CO2 pretty much in, in the history of what we can determine and the plants in much, much, very much lower than what it is. All the plants will die, which means all the animals will die and uh, everybody will die. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, I, people <laughs> people need to like open their eyes and look at what's what's really going on. So, in, so in this article, they say they want to introduce an international policy that would require most pet owners to euthanize their animals, and instead of dogs and cats, they recommend turtles, snakes, and reptiles. In this article, it says every time the elite thought that they were smart, uh, they destroyed dogs and cats only for that smartness to return to them like a boomerang in the form of mice and rats, which spread the plague. Um, But just the just who is this Klaus Schwab who who died and left him God? Really, you know what? Yeah, I'm nobody. He's somebody's front man. I'm not exactly sure who's yet. It goes deeper than what we can actually figure out. But well, yeah, it also CNN, as we all know, uh, evidently scolded viewers for their dogs' carbon footprints, insisting smaller dogs uh, fed insects are the way to save the earth. I mean, how I I took a a picture. Of all of these different things, uh, I've got to find it. Of all of these different climate catastrophes that were supposed to happen, there's like 10 of them and they've never happened. Well, you know, if we're so worried about um, about the earth being destroyed, which, trust me, she can take care of herself. But if we're also worried about that, why don't we all just um, kill every living thing on the planet and let the earth survive? I mean, that's that's kind of the mentality. I'm like, really? Well, why exactly is Earth here? 
if it's not here for us to live on, I'm not saying don't steward it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't take care of it. But I mean, the mindset is that all all life should be sacrificed in order to save the earth. In which in which case, what is the point of the earth? Well, okay, if there's too big of a carbon footprint on the earth, right, and people have a carbon footprint, why is there this new facility called Ectolife, Ectolife, E-C-T-O Life? It's the world's first artificial womb facility that can grow 30,000 babies per year. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. And it's just, it's just nutty 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 um again this mrna rabies vaccine do you think that that will actually happen Niels? do you think they'll actually get it out there or is it actually out there i have a sneaking suspicion that it already is out there just kind of putting together a few things um so years ago i heard about um they were like dropping uh, rabies vaccines in um, foodstuffs in order to quote unquote vaccinate the wildlife for rabies. So, you know, for the raccoons and the foxes and coyotes and things like that. So they were like spot dropping contaminated uh, foodstuffs that had like, which, you know, this whole oral. Uh, that but we won't even go into that but that doesn't really make sense anyway if you follow the whole vaccine paradigm that doesn't really make sense either but irregardless so you take that part and then the last year or so dr merritt brought that up again about um self-disseminating vaccines that they've been developing in the veterinary world which is kind of similar and i think it was um incorporated in those wildlife ones that um it was supposed to be um passed on you know from one animal to another um but she was talking about how they were doing that in australia with um again with the plague of the mice and rats now that now that you mention it i hadn't put that together till just now um but they were um put these things uh a sterilizing vaccine for the for the mice and then they would rub up against each other and pass it from one to another and you could do it like maybe two or three on you know from one to another and um decrease the population uh, the mouse population that way because it was toxic they were not again and here we're talking about what contagion really is is passing along a toxin it's not passing on a a virus or bacteria or any of that nonsense it's it's about toxins in the environment um but anyway that kind of all goes together and if you look at what the mrna vaccines are it's the same thing so i suspect and we know that the the one that or the several that are out for quote unquote new ones that are out for people now have been 
have actually been in existence for decades. So it's not anything new. So to think that they don't already have it for animals would be somewhat naive since usually the veterinary world is where all this stuff is kind of done under the radar to start with. So, you know, I suspect that they're already out there if they're not already in, not already in use and they're just using this time of, um, so everybody knows what they are now to bring it out. I mean, I don't have any proof of that, but just looking back on, on things over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that I know, I know have been happening. Um, it seems to me like it's probably already out there. Yeah. Very, very frightening. Very frightening. Just one more reason to be darn sure you don't, Get your dog a rabies vaccine. The rabies, rabies and lepto are the worst. None of them are safe and none of them are effective, but those two are, from what I can tell, the most dangerous. Let's talk about Lyme disease. All right. Now, there, we're going to come back to that in a second about your view on Lyme disease and what you've discovered and all that. But, I have a, a a pet parent, okay, whose dog uh, lives in a um, area where there are a lot of ticks. This is a puppy. They pulled the the ticks off the dog, but then they wanted to do a blood test to make sure that he didn't have Lyme disease. So they did a snap test. The snap test showed that he had Lyme disease. Um, and so they are going to put this dog on doxycycline and then do a fecal transplant. So let's break this down. Number one, just because you go in and get a blood test that may show the presence of urlichia or Lyme disease or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that the dog is in danger and needs to be put on doxycycline. Would I be correct in saying that? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you were to, um, almost all dogs will test positive if you, if you test them, but that doesn't mean anything. So it just it just shows exposure of some sort. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. I mean, and and everybody sh- by now should know my feelings on antibiotics. You don't ever give antibiotics unless your dog is literally going to drop dead in the next five minutes. You just don't do it. It they're toxic. They're they're dangerous. They destroy every everything. They destroy the gut biome. They destroy the the whole biome all over the body. And you sure as heck don't do it. Just in case, I mean, and, you know, again, Lyme disease is really not a thing. I know there's a lot of people that would throw a fit about that. I'm not saying people don't get sick and dogs don't get sick. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's not, um, it's, there's too many, it's not the way that they tell you and you don't, you know, everybody that has been diagnosed or had, or 
dogs, people, whatever, that have had a diagnosis of Lyme disease, um, they don't react the same. They don't respond the same. They don't respond to, um, there's so many different treatments and so many different, I mean, that right there negates the whole thing of it being a specific disease. I mean, it's a toxin. Okay. Whether it came from the tick or not, there's no way to really know. And a lot of this, and people say, well, how can you say that? And how can you prove blah, 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 blah? Well, you, you can't, you, just because you don't know what causes something doesn't mean you don't know what doesn't cause something. I mean, you know, you can say something's not true and not know what is true. All right. So. Why or what leads, what what narrative is out there that leads pet parents to be um, so concerned about these ticks? Is I it- have no idea. I grew up infested with ticks. I mean, we I, I grew up in a cedar forest. There, I pulled ticks off myself all the time. I pulled tick. We used to I'd go out once a week and pull all the ticks off the dog. I mean. There were ticks everywhere on the horses, on the goats, on the cows, uh, on, on all the dogs. We had ticks running out our ears constantly. And it's like, uh, why all of a sudden is it like a huge thing? That's part of why I just, I don't buy into it because I grew up in that scenario. I, I, I just, it doesn't it doesn't hold water it doesn't wash it's something else so let me read you this um and i i don't think i ever presented this 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 comes over from our friends over at uh doggy dan uh which is over in australia area and this is from karen and so she says that she'd like to hear our take on this Lots of holistic vets around the world talk about flea and tick prevention and reasons not to use these pharmaceuticals. But I've come across none in Australia where we have paralysis ticks that will kill if not found early. Being a German shepherd owner yourself, you can imagine how hard it would be to find, especially since they cause no irritation to the dog. So we have no clues that the dog might have one until the back legs start to fail. Then it's just a matter of time until the paralysis moves to the lungs, etc. She said, my local holistic vet and I agreed that a paralysis tick would possibly kill her dog Lexi before they could find it. So she the local holistic vet recommended a pharmaceutical tick preventative during spring and summer, which is their tick season. But they're not. Go ahead. So she said this spring for the first time, I'm trying tickless an ultrasonic device. So no pharmaceuticals. I also use an essential oil spray when we go to the bush land or the beach. Um, so anyway, she wanted to know, um, do we have any experience with a tickless device? And do we have any other non-toxic suggestions for ensuring that her dog does not get a paralysis tick? Now, 
I don't know of a paralysis tick. Is that just a tick that they're that they? I don't. I don't know, but Australia got the short end of the stick when it comes to deadly, creepy, crawly things. Um, <laughs> well, they but, took you know, order. supposedly that's that's one of the big things with with Lyme disease is they lose function of their back end, right? But the thing with the prevention is, and I've said this over and over and over again, it's not prevention and um. That anything that is in the dog, she's doing the right thing. And but if you if you do an internal, it's not prevention. The tick still has to bite the dog, which means it's passing on whatever whatever toxin it has into the bloodstream before it dies. I mean, it has to bite the dog and pass on whatever toxin it is for any of that to work. How is that prevention? It's not. The only way to prevent that is to do exactly what she's doing. Keep the tick off the dog in the first place. So now how all that works, I, I don't know. You know, usually um, ticks don't normally stay on for very long. You know, they'll eat their fill and then they fall off. And then they go do something else. It's not like they attach themselves and stay there until somebody pulls them off or they die. I mean, you know, it's like a dinner buffet and then they move on. If a disease is a disease, then the symptom set has to be the same. The treatment set has to be the same and it has to work or not work in every case. And it doesn't. I mean, quote unquote, Lyme disease is all over the board. It could be any, if they can't figure out what it is, they say it's Lyme disease. When you put two weeks of doxycycline or whatever time frame in a dog, what are we what are we going to do? What are we going to cause? A lot of trouble. Okay, let's talk about that. And how because he, here's what I imagine is happening, right? So we have this huge fear of ticks. We don't want our dogs to go lame in the back end. Um we've been frightened by the information we don't know exactly um what might happen so these parents are taking what they think is a preventative measure right to ward off any problems that those ticks might have caused so you can understand why with that information that they might well, take that route well but here's the thing what do people think tick-borne diseases are i mean well, that's a do they think question. do they think they're do they think they're bacteria do they think they're viruses what do they think they are think about it what do antibiotics do kill bacteria right right so how is that going to be effective against a tick it's not exactly so what's happening if you if you think about it and break it down if there's any benefit at all to giving an antibiotic it's because the bite of the tick has caused some sort of necrotic event and that's what bacteria do they clean up necrosis and dead material that's that's all they don't cause disease they try to help 
clean up disease. They clean up the messes, right? So let's assume that that you have to assume that whatever the tick does causes some sort of tissue damage, necrosis, or some sort. So bacteria comes to clean it up, and then the part from the bacteria that makes that makes anybody sick is the waste products, right? Is the metabolites from the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So you kill the bacteria so they're not giving off any more waste products, but you haven't, you've at that point, then you've allowed the necrosis to spread. So the antibiotic is not doing anything but killing the cleanup crew, killing the microbiome everywhere, the gut, the skin, the ears, the eyes, the bladder, everything. It's killing everything. It's setting up for disaster. You kill off those those native, um, a lot of those native strains of bacteria, and oh, you never get back. I don't care what you do. You can't give antibiotics and then give a probiotic or do a fecal transplant and say, oh, well, that'll fix it. It'll all be fine. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You Once you kill it, you can't fix it. Are we born with a certain amount of? Yeah, you you're born with. That's why that's why dogs and people that are born C-section have such a problem because they're born sterile instead of going through the birth canal and picking up all of the bacteria from the mom. That's what all that's about. The initial biome is seeded through the birth canal through through mom, and then it's continued through. Um, the initial environment and uh, breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. That's why you don't want to be born in a sterile environment. You don't want to be born in a hospital. You don't get any of your... So if you're born in your natural environment, your microbiome is going to be initially seeded with um, the most beneficial bacteria to help you live symbiotically in your environment you kill that off you're not getting it back well how do these how how do people um survive when they do so many so many rounds of antibiotics or you know you know we have dogs out there that have been through a gazillion rounds right yeah and and are any of them healthy no you have recurrent, I've seen it over and over again. You have recurrent UTI. You have all these things that happen that nobody puts together with that. You have recurrent UTIs. So you'll have uh, you'll have these alternating. You'll have UTIs. You'll have ear infections. You'll have uh, conjunctivitis. You'll have diarrhea. And you'll have all these things that kind of alternate between themselves going around and around and around in a never-ending spiral. And you never get rid of any of them. And de- depending on what other, whatever other factors are involved, it'll it'll express itself in different ways. I mean, you'll have um, you'll have skin issues. You'll have. Why do you think there's so much organ damage? I mean, you know, people do blood tests to test functioning of liver and kidney and all that kind of stuff. Well, you don't. Those te- none of those tests show any issues until you've lost 75-80% function already. Wow. That's not good. So 
No. At the very least, you end up with a every six-month cycle of a UTI and an ear infection, and they just alternate. It's okay. So let's take it another step further. You got a dog like that. We see them all the time. Now what are we going to do with them? How are we going to, how are we going to feed them? How are we going to help them? Well, the most important thing that you can do is minimize the toxic load as much as humanly possible. No vaccines, no pharmaceuticals of any kind whatsoever. Um, no, no toxins in the house, like no, no air fresheners. Watch your cleaning products. Watch your, watch your, um, laundry detergent, you know, filtered water, all that stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum throughout the years. Um, minimize all that stuff. You have to take away toxic food. You have to take away any kind of toxic, anything that the body has to deal with. And then you have to encourage everything from the inside and you're never going to build it back the way it was originally. But if you remove the all the humanly possible toxins that you can and then nourish the body with what it needs to produce all its enzymes and all that it needs to rebuild joints, and you can still increase, significantly increase quality of life and decrease symptoms, sometimes down to clinically nothing i mean i'm not saying that the dog can't be healthy and happy afterwards but it's not a given so what do you think about these um fecal transplants for dogs it depends on who your donor dog is it depends on who does it um but dr roman and dr Suter um have both had really good luck i mean if you have a chronic situation that you know everything is just decimated some it can be i mean i've never been in that situation to have to try it but from what i can tell in a desperate chronic situation it can certainly it can certainly put you back on the right road and help well at that point you got to try a lot of different things right yeah you got to try well and-, and once you once you get you know once you get um a more positive environment, you have to be sure you continue to nurture that and not decimate it again. You know, you know what really scared me, Neely, when I was reading that article from the World Economic Forum, Health Forum, is if they have that attitude that you just kill your pets and they are entwined with uh, some of the globalist and elites, what what keeps me from thinking that they've already started that in the pharmaceutical uh, protocols for the dogs and the cats? Oh, Did- they have. I mean, big big pharma and and big ag are in been in cahoots. Just all the different pharmaceutical things that come out, you know, whether that be stuff like Shantix or Gabapentin or all of these different things that have caused great harm to people, or let's just say AZT, right? Oh that God. Fauci brought about and killed all, you know, poisoned all those people with AIDS. So, I mean, I, I, um, I don't know if the agenda is um, let's just 
kill people if the agenda is I don't really give a flip it it has money and it serves its purpose I mean it's just the way that they view life whether it be human or animal is they they don't value it it's like yeah, yeah there's no there's no concern whatsoever I don't know why we can't put the dots together it's well, fairly obvious it's it's right out there I mean it's i i don't know it it didn't and i you know all of my degrees all of my all of my uh school background graduate school background everything was all in hardcore science chemistry biology microbiology uh physiology pharmacology that's what my background is in i mean 20 years worth of graduate school in those disciplines. Well, not to mention psychology and neuroscience. It's like even coming coming through that system and learning what they want to teach you, it's still obvious. It's just plain as a nose on your face. One of the questions, you know, that we get, my dog does well on kibble they don't do well on raw my dog does well on cooked they don't do well on raw and you and i look at that and say how is that possible well you have to define what that is and when you ask them well what does that mean what does that look like to you oh well when i take him off that he has diarrhea i'm like okay well what is diarrhea it's the body eliminating toxins. When you take the when you take the biggest component of toxin intake away, and the body can like back up and be like, oh, thank God, and start cleaning house, it starts pushing all that stuff back out. Mm-hmm. So how is that? That's a that's a healing mechanism. That's not an illness. Uh, puking and diarrhea and uh all that stuff, that's the body trying to get rid of stuff. So, you know, trying to plug up a dog that has diarrhea is like, that's, you don't want to do that. Why do you want to keep that toxic stuff inside? You need to let it out. Don't suppress it. Let it out. Let the body get rid of it. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to eliminate toxins. And you know, as far as having gastric upset and all that kind of stuff, well, of course it is. It's a completely different type of food. I mean, um, they have to they have to ramp up different enzymes, and uh, pH has to be adjusted, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not a sickness; it's a it's a unloading of toxic debris. So, you know, anybody that can realistically think that their dog is better on dead, processed, toxic, overcooked crap versus real food. I mean, it's just ludicrous that that you could even think that, even consider that as a possibility. It's just, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And the whole cooking thing, cooking is... Um, the whole Maillard reaction and, and the caramelizing and the stuff that makes it smell good and taste good, you know, like Amberell says, brown food tastes good. Well, it also causes cancer. 
So it's the same with dogs. And one of the one of the biggest, probably best studies to look at that is Pottinger's cats. I mean, j- by using real food, but cooked, he um, by I think it was three generations in the cats couldn't couldn't reproduce anymore. Same food, but raw. Those colonies were thriving. So cooked is not it's it's not it's not the way to go and you know i'm not going to get in a fight with anybody about it and if you've got an old compromised dog that they say can't handle raw well okay if you're going to feed him cooked instead of kibble i guess i can live with that but the only reason i don't throw a fit about it is because if it's an old compromised dog he's going to die soon anyway so what um what would you say to people who have done raw for a little while and then they're like, yeah, my dog's just not interested in it anymore? They're feeding them too much. Either feeding too much or the same. Or they're not rotating. They're not giving them enough variety or something. I mean, you know, another thing people don't understand is dogs that are on kibble are starving constantly because their body, it's like fat, you know, people that are obese that are always hungry it's because their body is not being nourished they're overfed and undernourished it's the same with dogs um you know most dogs that are on kibble they'll tell you they'll eat until they drop yeah it's because they're not getting any nutrition out of it well you start actually providing real nutrition to that body it's not hungry anymore so okay you know it's it's there's not a lot of dogs that are like this, but there are there definitely are some enough that you know that I've heard of some. I've not not actually had one, but it it totally makes sense. Dogs in the wild, you know, they go for days, sometimes weeks without r- really eating anything. It's a normal thing to eat and then to not eat, you know, to put themselves on a uh on a fast or whatever i think probably mine don't do that because i only feed once a day anyway and you get that sort of mini fast and it kind of eliminates that um um not interested thing because you know by the time 24 hours rolls around they're usually hungry again but in pretty much every case they're either feeding them too much they're feeding them too often they they've trained them to you know be like, oh, well, if I don't eat this, then they'll give me cheese or something, you know, something ridiculous like that. I've never run into a case where it's not something like that. But but people just freak out if the if every time you put something in front of their nose, they don't just like snarf it up. Well, if they're not hungry, they're not going to do that. I do see that a lot. Um, even our grand dog was like, not eating and i said well one his body indicates he's getting too much food and two right let's just pull it back a little bit so once we pull this dog back he eats fine there being something quote unquote wrong with the food is absolutely the least likely explanation and how many times have we heard that over the years that you've taken the food back and we've fed it to all of our dogs and we probably included what 10 or 12 dogs yeah. between all of us that we did and we didn't none of us had any issue so it, you know and if it's if it's like 
two dogs in the same house. Well, they're in the same house. They have preferences, just like people do. You know, your dog, may, uh, for example, uh, you know, Phoebe never did like rabbit. It didn't matter. I mean, she wouldn't eat it when she was a puppy, and I would, I would give it to her every six months or so just to try, and she would smell it, she'd taste it, and then she'd just spit it out. I mean, and this was a lab. I, you know, labs eat anything, right? She just didn't like rabbit. She just didn't like it. Um, and then Harvey, he doesn't like fish. I he'll eat sardines, but if I give him a mackerel, he just looks at it and looks at me like, really, seriously. And I don't know if it's because the mackerel tastes different or because it's just so much bigger than a sardine or what. But it takes him forty-five minutes to eat a mackerel. So you know, yeah, they have preferences, which I think we should respect that, and you know try to um you know not force them to eat something they don't they legitimately don't like but as far as there being something wrong with the food uh it's not i mean you and i have probably fed uh as much or more of that food than any of the customers have and i have never had an issue Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And like you said the other day, I mean, you know, you feed all the the uh, broken rolls and squash rolls and odd looking rolls and things like that. You know, the torn the like, torn open rolls, the rolls that come in that have been busted open. Every now and then, those get by. Yeah, and customer get one, but by and large, yeah. um, those are the yeah. ones that we take. So they've been, you know, exposed to the air in the freezer. Exactly. Let me say this, that one thing that we have pretty much consistently figured out in patterns is when you have two dogs or three dogs or in a household, right? And they're all doing the same thing, right? They're not eating. Typically, almost always we find that either there's a flea and tick medication going on, there's other type of pharmaceuticals that are going into the dogs. They're all kind of consistent. You know, we want to make people aware of that. If you got two dogs doing the exact same thing, three dogs, or what? they're un- they're under the same stress. If they live in the same house in the same family, they're under the same kind of stress. I mean, you got to look at emotional stresses too. I mean, is a kid home from school or home from college or just left for college? Is you know, a uh, new boyfriend, new girlfriend, divorce, death, you know, uh, guests, whatever. You know, if finals week, cat died, dog died, new puppy, uh, neighbor got a new dog, uh, you know, new neighbors, all that kind of stuff. Um, People don't think about it affecting the dogs, but it does. And that can, you know, that can translate into not eating or, you know, acting, acting weird or something like that, too. And, you know, aside from not only the physical toxins there's there's emotional traumas that can have the same uh clinical appearance and there are some dogs that do better with lower fat or higher fat so i mean they are individuals but if you're having issues and uh you want to go over all of that and you want to get neely all of your information and work with her she is she is uh one of the best and can help 
figure that out for you and help you pinpoint what's going on. There, there are some cases, Neil, as I will say, that when I've seen dogs stop beating and they've taken the dogs in, we've seen tumors or things like that it, going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That too. I mean, uh, and those, those just kind of, you don't know that's going on until it gets to a certain point and then it does happen all of a sudden. Right. Or it feels like it's all of a sudden. It it's, it hasn't, but it feels like it's all of a sudden. Well, listen, get over to rawdogfoodandco.com, okay? Go to our experts page or in our learning center. That's where you can find Neely. Just uh, click on that button and uh, sign up with her. You're going to get a $25 off to uh, from us to work with Neely. And uh, get your dog going. Keep the toxins out of your dog's body. If you want to talk with Neely about some options that um, that are in front of you, you know, what should you do, what, what these different pharmaceuticals might cause, you really do want to have all of the information. If you're not getting that information um, from your provider, well, we can help you. We can give you some ideas and, and uh, some information so that you can make the best decision. That's what you want to do, right? You want to make the best decision. Uh, don't let the fear uh, cause you to um, do some things that may not be in, in the best interest of you and your pet. So get over to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, Niels. Bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.